0: Yes, we honor the fathers in our nation today, don't we? It's a good celebration for those who are not yet fathers. Don't worry about it, you'll get there, don't rush it. Uh, but I encourage you, do become a father, it's kind of cool. Um, and those who have children, you're awesome. <laughs> I know it would be probably appropriate or fitting if I had a nice Father's Day message today, and that was the plan. Uh, but I kind of got wrecked uh, by the passage of Scripture that I, I started at, which is in 1 John, you can turn your Bible there now. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, um, really I had full intentions of talking about uh, God the Father, uh, His heart for His children, but as I read chapter 3, I became gripped by some of the language, some of the teaching that John was giving, and ultimately um, got sidetracked. So we're going to touch a little bit upon it, but uh, I think our message is not necessarily going to be... Oh, God the Father, although it is in this sense. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you're new here, we welcome you. Uh, just so you know, uh, yes, we are in a house. No, we are not a cult. We really do love Jesus. It's just as this is where he has us right now. For some reason, we're scratching our heads probably as you're scratching your heads. Um, but we are believing God for a uh, a place of which we can grow uh, and um and just be able to do the work of uh, the ministry uh, better. And uh, we know that this isn't our final resting place. This is just where we're at for the time. So we do love Jesus if you're new here. And uh, we have uh, an awesome um, cookout, of which we're going to kind of blow through a little bit of the message because I don't know about you, but it looks like it might rain out there. And I really want to get to the cookout. So if you're new, feel free to hang with us, eat some burgers. Have some hot dogs, have some fellowship, we welcome you. Uh, And, you know, if you're not, you forgot, still, feel free. I think there there is plenty of food. Amen? Amen. Well, why don't we just pray? I know you're saying, we already prayed like three or four times. Well, prayer is good. The Bible encourages us to do it without stomping. It encourages us to do it without ceasing. So, why don't we just do it? Plus, I am a man who needs a lot of prayer. When I deliver something, I can, I can do alright and probably fake it till I make it behind a guitar, but when I stand to preach, there is no faking it to make it. What I mean is, I utterly depend upon the Holy Spirit when I'm to deliver a word, uh, just because it's new territory for me in, in one sense. My wife is the communicator, I'm just the, well, whatever. So let's just pray and, well, I'm going to pray for myself, as weird as that might be, so you can pray for me. Amen. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for today. And God, we rejoice in this day of which you've made. We're glad in it, God. We're glad to be together. We're glad to read your word and study who you are, God, and through our study find you in a new way, God. And I ask, Lord, that by the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit that you would reveal yourself anew and afresh to our hearts. God, I ask, Lord, that as I empty myself of myself, God, I humbly ask, Lord, that Your Spirit would rest upon me, God, in this half an hour, God, this 40 minutes. Lord, that You would communicate truth to Your children. And God, through that truth being communicated, God, You would transform us into the image of Christ. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John chapter 3. iPads, iPhones are welcome, that's cool, but as long as you have something, um, it's always good to bring a Bible to church, you know what I'm saying? Amen. Let's get right into it here. Like I said before, uh, I had the intentions of preaching a message about God the Father, and I kind of changed, and this was my kind of key text in verse 1 of chapter 3 of 1 John. I'm going to read it anyways. Because it ultimately proves, as many scripture does, that God is a family man. You know, He is, he is a Father. He, and he loves His children. So let's read it. See how very much our Father loves us. For He calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children. That's, that's a pretty obvious statement. Because they don't know Him. Dear friends, we are already God's children. There John is, reiterating the fact. You know, I think John is doing this because he's about ready to kind of come in with a one-two punch uh, with probably some uh, new and fresh ideas of which maybe the church is not accustomed to and hearing in the, in the New Testament. And he reiterates these people, or in this teaching, he reiterates that God is Is the father and he deeply loves his children. He pours confidence in before he comes in with a a sharp truth. And there is sharp truth. Unfortunately, uh, you know, it's going to be one of those days where our hearts, I believe, uh, are going to be challenged in a good way. You know, whenever the Lord draws near to me, you know, um, and convicts me about a certain issue, I don't know about you, but I rejoice. I have no kind of, uh, um, you know, condemnation or these feelings of like, oh, Lord doesn't love me. I actually welcome on a a daily basis the Lord to search me and know me, to see if there be any sin in me, to expose it and bring it out. Uh, You know, kind of like, Father, I'm your son, you're my father, and I want to be disciplined by you. I want to be chastened by you so that it proves my sonship. So... I kind of want us to take that heart today as we go into this message. Maybe it won't be hard for you. Praise God, maybe it won't. But um, I believe it was hard for these people. And I believe this message might be a little hard for a modern day church. As we're not accustomed to hearing some of the words of which I will use today as we go further into this passage. Amen. Stick around. We're going to have a cookout after. It's alright. I love you. Let's go I'm going to go back to verse 2. Dear friends, we already, I'm sorry, we are already God's children, but He has not yet shown us this, shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like Him. Just just ponder that for for a little bit. 1 John says, we don't know entirely what we will look like when Christ appears. Period. He stops. But, he says, I do know. We do know, because of what the apostles are teaching, that we will be like him. I don't know. That's a pretty dramatic statement from John. And it's important to understand that John is not talking about being like him after he appears. So, what I'm saying is, when Christ comes back to gather His body, us being like Him is not going to be after that coming, after that gathering of His people. This is going to happen prior to His appearance or His arrival. This is what John is saying. That we will be like Him. Now you're probably saying, well, what does that mean? I know that's what went through my mind. How? Be like Christ? I mean, these are kind of like uh, some of the language, like when you hear Christ say, greater things shall you do than even I did, you know. You're like, I, I, I can't even wrap my mind around that Christ. How ever today in church, how, how could we ever do those things of what you did on when you walked the earth? It's one of those statements. But nevertheless, John says, you will be like Him when He appears. So He doesn't know all things, but He knows this thing. He's confident of this thing, And he's telling these people, you can be confident of this, that when the Lord appears, we will be like Him. We're going to get into that and what it means to be like Him and what John is talking about. Verse 3. And all who have this eager expectation, what is the eager expectation? Christ's arrival, His coming, will keep themselves pure, just, as He is pure. Awesome, awesome language here from John. And we now know, by this statement in verse 3, that John is talking about, we will be like Him, in the area of our purity and righteousness. Why? Because with eager expectation, we are waiting for His arrival. We are waiting for Him to appear. So John is talking about preparation He is talking about a preparations of the sons and daughters of God. That this is something that doesn't happen after Christ comes, but this is something that leads up to Christ's coming. That's phenomenal language in light of some scripture. I I still get floored by it and say, Lord, what does this look like? We've been so indoctrinated by just getting by, by the skin of our teeth, and just, you know coming under the weightiness and of oppression and our sin and, and just becoming accustomed, merely just having a title and no transformation. I don't know about you, but I never gave my life to Christ for just a title. That wasn't what it was. When I met Him, I knew He had the power to transform who I was in that instance. Not only just to save me from hell, that's awesome in itself. But within God, He has the power to transform us, not in His coming, but in the earth now. This is what John is saying. Certainly, I'm paraphrasing, I understand. But it's within context of what John is saying. Let me just bring some understanding, because this, we're going to go a little further. And, um, you know, I don't want any of us getting confused. I'm going to read a little uh, commentary. On chapter three, this is right out of the New King James. It's a New King James commentary. It's uh, so it's it's sound. We love New King James. Amen. Now, when I when I read the beginning sentence, you're probably going to be like, "How does that? How does that bring me understanding?" But just follow it through with me. Don't get lost. And uh, I'm sure as we um, read this paragraph, you'll gain understanding of what John is talking about here. Because immediately, I know uh, our minds are probably going. So, what's that mean? Do I? Do I? Am I? I'm going to live without sinning. I'm going to live pure and righteous. Like, how does that even fit? I'm dirty. I'm unclean. I, 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 I look at my computer and see things I shouldn't. I gossip. I lie. I and, I, and all, all. Meanwhile, I carry this title. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. How does this work? Well, I'm going to tell you how it works. Listen. There is grace. There is grace, and and this. This portion of scripture, because John is talking about a particular sin. So I'm going to read this commentary here. In similar places in this epistle, the Greek verb has the force of a continuous present tense. You're thinking, what, where am I right now? Am I in a lecture hall? Am I in Harvard What the heck is he talking about? Let's let's follow this through. And thus denotes a person's habitual attitude towards sin, as expressed in practice or non-practice of it. Now, this is the kicker right here. John is not speaking of a state of perfection in which it is impossible for a Christian ever to sin. but he is stressing the fact that a Christian cannot keep on practicing sin because he is born of God. John is talking about habitual sin. Sin that has root within us, drives us daily maybe. Maybe it's by the hour, I don't know. But you are deeply ensnared in this sin. It could be anything. If I have... You know, if I have a lying heart where I just make up things, I'm just like, hey, Crystal, you know, i just got a million dollars to buy our building. And she's like, I'm trying to give her. I'm thinking I'm like trying to pour faith in her. And I'm like, you know, i am just got a million dollars. There's no million dollars in the back. Then I go to my wife and say, yeah. And she asks me, did you get the soap? I'm like, no, I didn't get the soap. Oh, no, I got the soap. It's in my car. She goes to look. It's not there. Whatever. Just that habitual nature of sin is what John is talking about here. He's not talking about uh, those things that easily... Uh, oh, try to trip us up, and we repent of which repentance ultimately means to change and turn, friend. So that's which brings uh, that is what brings sincerity into play. That our repentance, repentance, sorry, must be sincere, where it actually brings about change. I would go out on a limb here. You don't have to do this. But I would encourage you, if there is a place of habitual sin in your life, it could be anything, you know, I'm it could be anything, I, I don't know, <laughs> and I don't want to know, uh, that you would be very careful in how you repent before God. What do I mean? Make sure your intentions are clear, that your heart is sincere, that you're really interested in turning and changing this thing. I think this is what John is talking about. John is talking about the habitual nature of sin, of which there is no sensitivity of the heart, there is no remorse over the action, and we just continue, and we think that just because we bear a title as Christian, that heaven's gates are wide open. Some of you are about ready to stone me. Please don't. John said it, not me. And I believe that I have this within right interpretation of what John is saying. Let's go further. Just to recap. So, John says, we will be like Him at His appearance, at His arrival. And the way that we will be like Him is in the area of our purity, is what John is saying. Because of our eager expectation of the Lord's return, we will keep ourselves pure just as He is pure. There's very practical ways of how to do this. Jesus did it. We have that open door to Jesus' life in John 15 where He clearly paints out the picture of how He relates to the Father and how the Father relates to Him, how He keeps His commandment, how He stays and remains in the love and how we should remain in His love just as He remained in the Father's love. We're not going to go into it, but you can look at John 15 and you can get a simple overview of what it means to remain in Christ. So that purity gets on the inside, affects you, and ultimately changes the way that you live. Okay, here we go. Verse 4. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in Him. Pretty self-explanatory. We don't need to get into that. Verse 6. Anyone, here he goes, he's going to kind of just give it another one-two punch here. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. He's bringing it back to the first place. Uh, back up to uh, uh, ultimately verse uh, th- 2 and 3. Let me just read it for you again for your for your listening pleasure. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. That There's a period in my Bible, I don't know... There's a period in you, it's not really open for discussion. That's the, right there. Anyone who continues to live in Him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know Him or understand who He is. And you're saying, Daryl, what does this mean? It's easy to begin to go inwardly when we think about what happens behind closed doors, isn't it? That's is. Now, listen, if you think that I've come on some pedestal as if I can't relate, or if I'm not there, I'm there, folks. I'm there. Do I have a place of habitual sin in my life of where it's practice? Of course. Of course. I'm not even going to minimize that statement. It's just foolish to do that. Because sin is sin. Be it gossip, be it adultery, be it fornication, be it uh, whatever, lying, stealing, it's, it's sin. The way I treat my family, the way I love my neighbor as I love myself, it all plays into parts, so it would make no sense to minimize it. Just accept it. Everybody's squirming in your seats, there's no need. Listen, I want to go back to what John said in the beginning. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that we are His children. There's grace, friend. There is grace. Verse 7. I love this. I think this speaks right into church today. He says, Dear children, Don't let anyone deceive you about this. Don't let anybody lie to you or try to deceive you or try to distort or pervert this message of which I bring you today. This is so applicable to today. We have so many good intention-filled pastors and preachers preaching a false gospel. Where it doesn't set a plumb line. It merely just says, Jesus loves you, you can get by as you are. I don't read that. John is not alone in these statements, friend. You can find these words in the writings of Paul. You can find them in Peter. You can find it all throughout the New Testament. It's good. I love this. I love it. My heart... Comes alive for most of us, maybe not so much. You know, I always say this: we, as a people, need a clear understanding to be able to discern the difference between condemnation and conviction. Amen. We've Amen. lost it. Amen. For you know, the preacher man starts giving it. You know, get right, get your hearts right, repent before the Lord, and we're just like, oh. I'm so condemned. This can't be the Lord. Who are who are we to tell the Lord what He is and what He is not? I, you know, I just, I have refused. I, I used to be that person. I used to be that person sitting in that pew. Somebody come with a little bit of a challenging word, something that maybe my life wasn't ready for. I, man, I would get, you know, I, of course I wouldn't manifest like that. But that's the way it felt inside. Just, oh, this is Kill them. You know, uh, this is condemnation. This is Pharisee, <laughs> Pharisee. You know, in 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 you know, you're, you're just you something you're screaming on the inside of you. No, but you know what? I've come to realize in those times, most likely it's the Lord drawing near to my heart, and I've learned to just say, "Yes, God, I, I want it. I want it. I want it inside of me. I want truth." I'm not, if, if it appears as though I'm going against the current and against the, the popular whatever, then so be it. I want it inside of me. I want to accept it. I want to embrace it. Why? Because I want to be like him. It's not religious. Somehow we think this terminology is, is religious or, you know, heaping up condemnation. It's not, it's actually liberating, friend. It's actually life-giving. There, I, I, listen, I, I've been on both sides of the spectrum. And embracing conviction to search me and know me, God, find if there be any wicked ways in me, is a heck of a lot better than sweating and growling within at the preacher because he came with some truth. <sighs> it's good is what I'm saying. And as John says, I will say to you, don't let anyone deceive you nor try to lie to you about this truth of what John is trying to give us. That we will be like Him. Not when He takes us to New Jerusalem, but here on earth. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Our purity will be as His purity. You know, what's that statement? You, you, what is it? You become what you behold. That's what John's saying here. I'll go on here, dear children. Let no, let sorry. Don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. I mean, I got to do something. This is what John says. When people do what is right, it takes a lot to do, friend. You know, we kind of treat this process as if it's like an on and off switch that God is just going to flip at His will. That in any given circumstance, trial or temptation, that God's going to be like, no, you're not going to do it today. (laughs) I flipped the switch for you. No, you got to do it. I know, I'm raising my voice. I'm not mad, I just get passionate. I'm sorry. you got to do it. What do you have to do? You have to do what is right. You have to do what is right. It shows that you are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. If there is no transformational power in Christianity, then keep me out of it. I don't want to be a part of it. If it's just a ticket into heaven, forget it. I don't want it. I want transformation on the inside. I want to look like the Son of God. I don't have a megalomaniac, megalomaniac, whatever that is, complex. It's not in that. But I want to do what's right. I want my purity to be as His purity. Why? Because I see Him in His Word. Our salvation is much more than just a free ticket into heaven, friend. It's a transformation that happens Let's just flip over, and I know I'm going to convene you're saying what. We're going, to, we're going to stay on this for a little bit, I think a couple of weeks. Because I don't want to just talk about John's message. I'm going to bring in a couple other apostles. I'm going to bring in a couple other people that gave ultimately the same message. Let's go to verse 5 of Ephesians. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 21 through 27. Now, don't get confused because the... The title here is uh, "Guided Relationships," Spirit-guided relationships, wives and husbands, how we relate, how we do things. It's not—that's not where I'm going. But uh, Paul says something here, I believe. I'm just—Paul uh, says something here in verse 26 and 27 that that really just strengthens what John said in chapter three. I want to write it. I want to read it. I didn't write it. I want to read it. Um, because it really, ultimately, I feel, gives us a picture on why this process has to happen. What process is that? The process of which I talked about sanctification. See, that's what God's doing. Anyways, let's just not give any further words here. Twenty-one. And further, submit to one another out of reverent fear. I'm sorry, out of reverence for Christ. Twenty-two. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of that of, of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. Christ is the savior of the body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Wives are like, oh my goodness. Uh, but husbands, you weren't left out. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. It has nothing to do with my message, but. In order to be uh, true to the Scripture, I wanted to read those couple verses. Here we go. Paul says something so good in verses 26 and 27. He says, in closing, after 25, let me just start at 25 actually, of chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians. For, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up His life for her to make her holy and clean, washed and by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Again, it's important to understand that Paul is not talking about something that is going to happen (coughs) when he gathers his church when He takes us to the New Jerusalem, whatever, He's not talking about this. He is talking about something that has to do with preparation. Christ's bride is going to prepare herself for this day of marriage. You know, for who, us who are married, it's very easy to relate to this. When I uh, was marrying Bethany... I did things a little differently uh, leading up, you know, a couple months prior to. I ran a little bit. I know it doesn't look like it, but I did. And I wanted to try to be as fit as I could. I don't know if it worked, but blessed be the name of Jesus, I tried. i give it, it a Cub Scout effort. Um, I, you know, I brushed my teeth a little bit more when we went on dates. You know, I just, of course I brushed my teeth. take that out But, you know, I put a little bit more interest in who I was as a person. Now, Bethany, she's always been kind of tidy, you know, prim, proper, Elegant, hot, and uh, she didn't really have to work hard, but he she herself would did some things also to just prepare. She, she'd run, she'd do some runs, do some exercises, she would need eat some things, maybe that she would eat um, you know, hire to we're just we're getting prepared for the day of our wedding. And and this is what Paul is talking about. He's talking about a preparation. Why? Because God has a deep desire to present his son. A pure and spotless bride, us, the church, to Him for day of marriage. And this is the process, guys, of which, what we're in. Again, I, I want to just go back to this habitual sin to not get the issues confused. We're not talking, guys, again, of, 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 and I don't want you to get confused over this matter. We're not talking about having slip-ups and... And, and you know, messing up, dropping, dropping the ball. We're not talking about that. This is what I would say simply to you, if there's any confusion. If you're truly repentive, if you're sincere about changing uh, whatever that habitual nature is within you, then make sure you're sincere and follow it through. Don't go back. I was going to give a testimony, and I will. It's got to be kind of graphic, but I'm going, to, I'm going to do it, because I can, I bear witness, I, I'm not bear witness, I, I, I can give a testimony into this very thing. As a young man, I struggled deeply with pornography. Uh, somewhere around the age of, uh well, you say a young man, probably it, it began around 19 years old. Grip my heart. Grip my heart. Very, very broken over. Very broken. Uh, but I realized that um, none of my brokenness and none of my repentance was producing anything. And I would always find myself on this, and I'm only saying, listen, I'm only saying pornography because that was my step, okay? That was what this habitual nature was within my, within me, okay? So I'm not going on a pornography tramp, you know, uh, rant. I'm just saying, I'm exposing myself. And I was heavy under this thing. And I, I was a worship leader, uh, a thriving youth ministry. I was, you know... Pulled upon in different leadership roles in the church, don't know why. You know, you just got a gift, and people are like, "Oh, you need that," and uh, so it was. But I had this this dark secret of pornography in my life, and it was strong. But I, 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 listen, to say I didn't love the Lord would be foolish. I had a, a sensitivity uh, like none before, even unto this day, for the Lord in that time. But yet, I had years of continually giving myself. Uh, to viewing pornography and it had a deep, deep hold on my life and um, I remember going through nights saying, God, you know, take this from me or I, God, please forgive me, I'm doing this again you know, coming out of a, a glorious worship set and then going and flipping on whatever and, and engaging in, 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 in perversion and it just was confusing and, and, and it was troublesome and I remember going through the years going through the years, just repenting short, uh, short, short, little brief moments of victory, repenting again, very short, short moments of victory, it was habitual. It was habitual. It was habitual sin. And it it seemed as though it broke when I became sincere about my repentance. When I was seriously looking at doing something about it, not just trying to get a band-aid put on it for the moment because my heart was broken, I just felt like I let the Lord down, whatever. You know you know how it goes. Not that the Lord is let down, but that's the stuff that goes through my mind when I was struggling with it. And um, it wasn't until my repentance became very sincere when I was at the end of the rope that that thing broke off of my life. And I want to tell you, it broke. It wasn't somebody laying hands on me and or I wasn't going through a deliverance, whatever. It was simply maybe before the Lord, sincerely broken, at the end of my rope saying, God, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot live in this. I don't want to do this and still be a Christian. I'd rather do one or the other. Choose this day whom you will serve. That's what it was for me. Choose this day whom you will serve. And at that time, I was serving fornication. I was serving my addiction. And when I finally chose who I wanted to serve over that addiction, it broke. It broke. It wasn't... It wasn't anything that, like, I wouldn't travail, or it wasn't mysterious, Star Trek-like. It wasn't like, you know, glory of God covered the room. None of that happened. The simple decision of me saying, no, no, I cannot be this and do this. And some of us today in this room have to come to some of those decisions. You may, listen, your Christianity today is more than just a title. It's more than just a title. If you're treating it like a title... Friends, you're in for a great surprise when the Lord appears. I, and I have scripture to back that up. You're in for a dramatic surprise. I don't mean to be hard, I mean to be real. Because the day is drawing nigh. The day is drawing close. And God is looking for an end to the gains and the habitual pattern of sin in our lives for us to get real and choose this day who we will serve Habitual nature, for our God the Father, Amen. Will you come and play some piano for me, buddy? We're not going to be long about this. It looks like the day of rain is drawing nigh. I kind of went King James on you right there. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. We're not going to um, do any ministry. I uh, just but I want to encourage you if you do need prayer over any issue, maybe it's not even relating to my message here today, if there's something, um, a need or a prayer request that you have, I'll encourage you to come to me. I would love to pray with you. Don't leave if you need prayer is what I'm saying, okay? Okay. I'm going to take five minutes, no more than five minutes. I just want to ponder this word. I want, what I mean by that is I want you to ponder this word. Just Let's just close our eyes and just begin to meditate. Listen, don't take anything that I say it's face value, is gospel. You search it out. You see what you find. I have trust the Holy Spirit will show you through the Word of God. You take it a little bit out of the box. You take it out a little bit out of those scriptures of what you're usually going to, and you just get a little deeper into the Word of God. You'll find, you'll find it. And it will be refreshing to your soul. Amen. So let's just take a little bit, let's see if there's anything within these five minutes that the Holy Spirit might want to do. And then we'll close. One thing. I want to encourage you, not necessarily it's going to happen today, you don't need to look at me, but if there is a habitual pattern of sin in your life, I want to encourage you. Get it right with God. Stop putting a band-aid on it. Stop looking for quick fixes that last not too long. Give it over. Get sincere ultimately get right. Lord, as we leave this place, as we go throughout our week, that you would search us and know us. Lord, that we would invite you into our lives, Lord, in a new way, which we will be held to account with a spirit of conviction, God, to, to do what is right, even as John exhorted us to do, to show our righteousness as Christ showed his in the earth. Lord, we're not looking for any kind of quick fix, but Lord, we're looking for a transformational work, the work of your Holy Spirit. God, I ask, Lord, that which you've done for me, that which you continue to do for me, that you would do for my friends. Lord, that you would lead us as a family, as a community, into truth. Lord, so that we might reflect Your Son, Jesus, here on the earth. That's our desire, God. That's Your desire. So we say, prepare us for Your Son. Prepare us for Your Son. Wash us whiter than snow. Oh, that we might be presented holy and without fault, as Paul says in the book of Ephesians, God. We thank You for this work of sanctification. Continue it in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you guys uh, to stick around. Don't let my preaching deter you. Because there is still love. In my heart, in love, in God's heart. Amen. So, stick around and fellowship with us. It would be great. And we're going to take the offering real quick before we close. Uh, We're going to give to God what He has given to us. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer, and we will sow our seed. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank You for truth, and we thank You for the opportunity to sow resources, to sow our finances into the kingdom of God. Use these finances, God, for the work of your glory here in Cambridge. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I'm going to start with Crystal. And Crystal, if you'd find that in the back when it goes through. And guys, be blessed. If you want, if you're sticking, if you're sticking around, probably the best way we can do it in this wicked, wicked, wicked small, small house wicked man. is to take your chair, follow me on this one, go out the front door, Walk around, come down these stairs through that gate, and we'll have some tables Wait, over there. Wait, not, we'll not through that door? Yeah, I don't think through that door. It's just too tight. It's too confusing. Then the kids get on there. So if you take the door, take your chair out, walk it around. Back there, we'll set up some tables.